Hi, my name is Sandy Puckett, and I'm a hemophilia nurse educator for BioRx. I'm also a school nurse, and I've served as a hemophilia treatment center nurse coordinator in the past. Today, I'm going to present Hemophilia 101. First, let's start with the definitions. Hemophilia is a hereditary bleeding disorder characterized by the blood's inability to clot normally. So there are a recipe of factor proteins, 13 of them, and a few other ingredients that create a clot. So if you have flour missing from a chocolate chip cookie, it's oozing. If you're missing factor eight or factor nine from a clot, it's gonna ooze. If you add the missing ingredient, then it will create a clot or a chocolate chip cookie. There's three stages of clotting. There is when there's a tear in the vessel, the vessel immediately vasoconstricts, and the platelets are cued to come to that area. They float in and they stick together and through a series of events, a fibrum mesh is made, and then there's a plug that completes the process and it knits together into a clot, or it bakes like a cookie. Hemostasis is the stopping of bleeding through a blood clot formation. Hemophilia facts. There are two com most common types of hemophilia. Hemophilia A, factor VIII deficiency, or classic hemophilia, and hemophilia B, factor IX deficiency, or the Christmas disease. Hemophilia A is about 80 to 85 percent of those diagnosed with hemophilia. Hemophilia B, it's about 15 percent of those diagnosed with hemophilia. The incidence is about one to every five to seven thousand live male births. The hereditary of hemophilia is sex-linked onto the X chromosome, so a woman carries it, but a man manifests it. I want to talk briefly about von Willebrand disease because it's the most common bleeding disorder. It affects 1 to 5% of the general population. It either is low levels of von Willebrand protein or dysfunctional levels of von Willebrand protein. Most people with von Willebrand disease uh, present with mild bleeding issues, chronic nosebleeds, heavy periods. The severity of hemophilia is severe, moderate, and mild. Severe is less than 1% of circulating factor. That's about 70% of those who are affected with the bleeding disorder. They tend to have spontaneous bleeding and they don't know why they maybe have a bleed, but they have the most serious bleeding episodes for the most part. Moderate hemophilia is 1 to 5% of circulating factor. They tend to bleed with mild or moderate trauma they can generally tell you when they've had an event and what caused the bleeding. Mild hemophilia is 6 to 50% of circulating factor. They usually bleed with major trauma or dental work, and sometimes they're a bit challenging because they may not even recognize that they've had a bleeding episode until it's done some damage, or it's become quite problematic. Normal circulating factor is about 50 to 150%. Remember, people with hemophilia don't bleed faster, they bleed longer. Bleeding into the joint is one of the most common ways that people bleed. There's synovial inflammation where the synovium, the water balloon around the joint becomes inflamed and it can really set them up for re-bleeding. So that synovial lining becomes thickened and inflamed and is called synovitis. Then there's this residue, iron-rich residue, called hemosiderin, that's a residual in there, and it, because there's iron in it, it kind of chews away at the cartilage, 
and that cartilage breaking down causes arthritis, bone-on-bone -bone exposure, and can be, it is permanent and it can be quite painful. And sometimes with people who have repeated bleeds into a particular joint, four or more within six month period is deemed a target joint per the CDC. The bones can grind together until they eventually knit. It's very, very painful. Muscle bleeds can be challenging because muscles can hold a fair amount of blood and important nerves and other vessels run through muscles. So if a muscle has an abundance of blood in it, it can actually entrap the nerve. And when it entraps the nerve, it can cut off the circulation to it and actually do permanent damage or even kill it. Also, if a large muscle mass has a lot of bleeding into it, someone can actually become anemic because they've lost so much blood volume into that particular muscle. Someone who has a hematoma may or may not have a muscle bleed. The hematoma can be the entrance site of perhaps where the injury is that then causes a muscle bleed, but not all hematomas create muscle bleeds. It is very painful to have a muscle bleed and it can really impair range of motion. So it's important that they get treated right away. Hematomas can be quite painful and while they may not be dangerous or particularly problematic, they can come with some social challenges. People who think that it might be induced by someone else or someone who might be quite clumsy or sometimes CPS can even be called for a child who has had repeated hematomas or um, ugly bruises. So it's important to understand hematomas and how to explain them to people who are curious. Sometimes the hematoma will have a cherry pit in the middle. That's the clot. Then there are a variety of other kinds of bleeding issues. Oral mucosal with dental um, work. So it's very important to consult with your hemophilia center or your healthcare provider to have a dental plan in place prior to any dental um, interventions. And certainly be ready for dental emergencies as well. There are other medications that can help with this because clots tend to break down quickly in oral mucosal areas. So Amacar can be very, very helpful. That's a medicine that helps keep the clot stable and from breaking down super easy. Blood in the urine or kidney bleeds can be challenging. It's very important to consult with your healthcare provider when that happens because it can be somewhat dangerous and very painful if clots happen in the ureters or the little tubes that draw the urine down. Hydration is paramount. The solution to pollution is dilution. So drink a lot and make sure that there's a lot of urine flowing through to reduce the risk of bleeding. Nosebleeds longer than 10 minutes or persistent or very frequent can be very problematic too. And people can lose a lot of blood and be anemic because of chronic nosebleeds. Life-threatening bleeds would be the head, neck, and abdomen. Head bleeds if someone's lost consciousness or they come in and say that they've hit their head real hard, dizzy, blurred vision. It's very important to consult with your healthcare provider about that. Bleeds into the head don't happen necessarily immediately. It can take up to three days to show symptoms of a head bleed because remember, they don't bleed faster, they bleed longer. Nausea, vomiting, unexplained lethargy, those are all indicators of a head injury. Neck injuries can be problematic because we know that the trachea is a very small tube for breathing. 
So if there are any indication that someone's having a difficult time breathing or they've sustained an injury or had dental work previous to their feeling like they can't breathe well, it's important to consult with a healthcare provider or go to the emergency room. Abdominal blows can cause a lot of bleeding into the abdomen. The abdomen can hold a lot of blood and it can be life-threatening. Factor replacement is paramount in any of these situations and call 911. Safety considerations with hemophilia are always wear a medic alert bracelet, having safety equipment, helmet, knee pads, uh, elbow pads, appropriately fitting car seat or booster seat. Consider having it labeled as well with the child that has a bleeding disorder. We at BioRx also have a strap wrap that indicates that there is a um, medical need for the child with a bleeding disorder who is in that particular seat. Sporting activities that are recommended by your healthcare provider or the HTC. No heavy contact sports because again, remember, the head, neck, and abdomen can um, cause life-threatening bleeds. Always have a pre-operative plan and a pre-dental plan. That is very, very important. So if you're in a small community, always consult with the HTC or your healthcare provider prior to having any intervention so you can have a clear plan. Treatment for bleeding episodes, certainly rest, ice, compression, and elevation can help a lot. Factor replacement therapy is the most important. Intravenous factor or DDAVP for people with mild factor VIII deficiency or von Willebrand disease. The DDAVP releases the factor VIII and the von Willebrand factor from the body's natural stores. That's, that's not appropriate for all um, von Willebrand deficient patients, but it is for a fair number of them. Pain management, mechanical support, and physical therapy because hemophilia and bleeding with hemophilia causes limited range of motion and can be very difficult to regain that range of motion without physical therapy. The physical therapist plays a very important role in the care of hemophilia. So there are two types of treatment, on-demand and prophylaxis. On-demand is treating with factor concentrates as needed when they sustain an injury or have a bleed. Prophylaxis is to prevent bleeding. It can be given one, two, three times a week, every other day, whatever your healthcare practitioner decides. So there are a variety of factor products. There are genetically engineered products and there are human-derived products. There, here I have a list of, the, of a variety of products that you can refer to. There are other medications that can help as well. Nasal stymate, again, we'll talk about briefly the DDAVP for mild factor VIII deficiency or von Willebrand uh, deficient type one can be given intranasally or the desmopressin acetate can be given intravenously or subcutaneously. Also, oral amicar and transemic acid. So school considerations are have an emergency care plan in place have first aid responders trained and um, keep a dose of emergency factor at the school at all time and always have those emergency contacts available. And we have a very comprehensive school education program and a school education binder to help you navigate and plan for this. Other school considerations are to allow a child to self-infuse while in the school, 
Make sure the bus driver is aware that the child has hemophilia on their particular bus. Avoid all intramuscular injections, especially when there is some maybe an immunization day, that they not participate because that's done through their healthcare provider in a different way. Before and after school activities, that the folks who are supervising that are aware and there's an emergency care plan available there as well. We at BioRx have a variety of services and programs available for both children and adults. Please don't hesitate to give us a call if you have any needs. We provide product, in-home nursing, education, anytime you need it. Thanks.